Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown, Georgia Southern. Mass swing on the way. It's gone! It is well with my stolen Montgomery! Georgia Southern All right, Georgia Southern fans, welcome to another episode of Georgia Southern Extra. I'm Travis Janon, the beat writer for Georgia Southern Athletics at the Savannah Morning News and savannahnow.com. A big episode today for you guys. we got Mike Anthony of the Statesboro Herald to join us to discuss last week's 20-17 to double overtime win over South Alabama in Mobile, um, a game that I kind of dubbed the Mobile Circus uh, watching that one was a little crazy, and Georgia Southern ended up winning the game uh, in pretty incredible fashion, I think. Uh, we also have some breaking news um, Tuesday night as we record this for the Wednesday release. Uh, Logan Wright, the running back for Georgia Southern, redshirt sophomore, uh, will miss the next four to six weeks uh, with a neck injury he sustained in that South Alabama win. Monquavian Brinson, the cornerback for Georgia Southern, is also day-to-day. Um, designation with a leg injury that he sustained late in that uh, double overtime victory for Georgia Southern. But, you know, those two things are not great, but Georgia Southern did come away with a 20-17 to double overtime victory. So Mike and I will get to that. We'll give you all of our thoughts on that game, uh, a few talking points, and then we'll kind of look at some bigger picture college football issues, including uh, a little Heisman draft from me and Mike, or from Mike and I, I should say, uh, and then the California law uh, a week or so ago I wanted to touch on that at least uh, give myself and Mike a chance to kind of give our thoughts on that law which allows uh, the student athlete to uh, benefit from uh, name and likeness um, and things like that so Mike thanks for joining us another week of Georgia Southern football talk always good to be here and no Steelers tonight too so we got that going for us so got your full attention I expect right well, we need to do more of these while I'm watching it because they actually won the game that I was uh, doing the podcast while <laughs> while I was watching them. <laughs> and that's a minor miracle given how their season has gone, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not great so far. Um, when you have more quarterbacks used than wins, it's never good. No, that is not good. I think Georgia Southern might actually be able to attest to that. So let's uh, let's jump into the South Alabama game, Mike. You know, a lot of, like many of the Georgia Southern games this year, just kind of a strange vibe during it, after it, uh, kind of people trying to make sense of it. What does it all mean? Um, I, I will say right off the rip, just some takeaways for me. At least Georgia Southern checked off a lot of these boxes in the plan to win, but man, it did not feel like it was ever enough until the final moments of the second overtime. You you know you kind of escape. Uh, South Alabama kind of shoots themselves in the foot going backwards on their drive where all they had to do was make a field goal uh, in the first overtime to win. It takes a last kind of a last ditch drive in the fourth quarter for Georgia Southern to even send that game into overtime. But glass have full perspective. They drove uh, basically the length of the field for a game tying drive in the fourth quarter. That's should be, um, you know, complimented and that should be a positive, not a negative. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of looking at it both ways and kind of teetering back and forth with it, uh, I did think that the game-tying drive in the fourth quarter for Georgia Southern featured several big-time plays from Georgia Southern's big-time players. Now, remember last season in the fourth quarter, it was almost always Shai Wirtz, Wesley Fields, Shai Wirtz, Wesley Fields, and you might have had some Kennedy and Monteo Garrett mixed in. 
this year, I think, you know, we're starting to see who Georgia Southern is going to depend on in the backfield. And like we said at the outset of this episode, Logan Wright is no longer going to be a part of this backfield for at least the foreseeable future, uh, at least the next four to six weeks. So that kind of leaves you with Kennedy, Wirtz, King, and LaRoche uh, in whatever order you want to go in. Georgia Southern dominated this game on the stat sheet. You know, outsnapped him 83 to 39 in terms of offensive snaps. That is remarkable. 388 to 247 in total yards. Uh, they won the rushing battle. One of the one of the you know boxes in the plan to win. 310 to 53. First downs 22 to four. 22 to four in the first down category. Mike time of possession 40 minutes and 38 seconds to 19 minutes and 22 seconds. All of this is fine and well, but you won by three points on the scoreboard. I guess, Mike, for you, on Thursday night, watching this game and kind of watching everything that went down in Mobile, what were your thoughts during the game and what were your thoughts after the game? Um, I guess, you know, when when Georgia Southern wins, a lot of these things become, you know, not excusable, but they become kind of side stories instead of the centerpiece, the main story coming out of the game but for you Mike what, what were some of the takeaways from this uh, Georgia Southern win yeah well I'm right with you in that it was a weird game it was one of those where you're watching it and if it wasn't for the score bug down there you know showing you what the score was you would have to think that Georgia Southern was winning that game they were dominating as you said pretty much everything and uh, you know to to coach Lunsford's point that he always talks about the uh, points that they need to accomplish to succeed you know, you think about what those are. It's winning the running game. It's winning the turnover battle. It's, uh, you know, not not having penalties. And they accomplished, I believe, um, what, all of them, I think. And the way that it's set up, you know, it's really hard to figure out how to lose a football game if you would win in every facet of what their game plan is. And I think on Thursday, we just kind of saw an exercise on how it might be possible to actually lose a game where you accomplish all that. But to Georgia Southern's credit, like you said, they showed a a lot of fire, a lot of a lot of spirit, maybe even a little bit of desperation mixed in, and uh, you know it wasn't pretty at all. But I think you've got to give them credit for the most part. They played a a solid game. There were two huge defensive plays that they lapsed on that allowed South Alabama to have pretty much their only offense of the entire game. And then you know you can you can make a lot of fuss about. You know, the the Eagles' continued lack of productivity with the good offensive plays they do get, uh, their inability to turn, you know, good drives into touchdowns, often settling for field goals or goals or sometimes less than that. I think that's still a very alarming thing that needs to be addressed uh, moving forward if they want to win more games. Uh, however, you know, at the end of the day, they, they got it done. And to that last drive in regulation, I think that a lot of Georgia Southern fans see that and they see a team that, yeah, was desperate. They had to get down the field. They had to score a touchdown. But what I saw was a Georgia Southern team that didn't do anything different than what they usually do. They were running normal plays out of their, you know, normal playbook. There wasn't anything fancy. The one thing I saw was that they were going faster. And this is a team that's been one of the slowest in America the last couple of years in getting up to the line, looking at everything, looking at the sideline, checking once, checking twice, running down the play clock. And maybe something clicked there where South Alabama, they had to be gassed from being on the field for so many plays with their defense. But it was also a Georgia Southern team that has the athletes to pull it off. They're all experienced. They know what to do. 
they just hit go because they had no choice but to hit go and it worked when they were pulling it off at a faster rate than they usually do yeah i mean i'll say it worked you know georgia southern that last drive was really impressive and boy did they need it i mean most teams get disjointed when they go fast georgia southern looked better going fast than they do going slow and would you imagine that uh georgia southern with some tempo some pace looks pretty good uh, wonder who has been clamoring for that uh, this entire season. But yeah, Georgia Southern, that, that last offensive drive, eight plays, 65 yards, just over four minutes. And what a crucial block J.D. King had on Wesley Kennedy's touchdown run. We'll, we'll touch on Kennedy King words specifically here coming up. But I, you know, I just wanted to throw that out there. There were a lot of kind of forgotten guys in this game, and that's easy to do. Raymond Johnson comes away with, you know, a uh, Arguably, I guess, a blocked kick. It could have chosen who blocked that kick, actually. It's, it's tough to kind of see, but Raven Johnson gets credit for it. Uh, also comes up with a fumble recovery uh, to earn Defensive Player of the Week. But Randy Wade Jr. comes off and makes that play uh, off the edge. And, you know, a really, really, really good, I thought, Mike, and you, you know, let, let's just jump into the defense. I thought the defense played extremely well. Um, you know, I'm not ready to say that that the first long touchdown pass was a blown coverage. It looks like it's a blown coverage, but it you know maybe it's just a really good throw and a really good play. But what Georgia Southern had was their standard defense. South Alabama keeps everyone in to protect. They have nine guys uh, or eight guys plus the quarterback at the line of scrimmage, and they send two guys out on a route. One of them, unfortunately, catches the long bomb that ends up uh, resulting in South Alabama's first touchdown of the game. But, Mike, did you think the defense did anything, uh, you know, wrong? Or, 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 you know, is there any way we can be critical of this defense after their performance on Thursday night? I thought they played really, really well. No, I mean, you can ask a guy to stay on someone's hip longer and make a play on those two uh, long touchdown passes, but you already laid it out in the total stats. Would they run 39 plays? If you're if you're keeping an all or if you're only allowing an offense to run 39 plays, then that tells me that you're seeing a whole lot of the punt team. You're doing a whole lot more jogging back and forth from your own sideline than you are up and down the field. So I, I agree with you. Of course, the coverage could have been better on the two big plays, but I, I also agree with you that on a max protect play where there's two receivers, it could be that Georgia Southern saw that and figured, hey, we're gonna. We're going to man up and uh, figure that they're going to be short routes because they're trying to just move the chains, and that means that we're going to walk everybody else down into the box, linebackers and safeties, and then when they pull it back and run a deep post, yeah, you're you're going to be in some trouble. Yeah, and for Georgia Southern, you know, defensively, I think what you had on Thursday was you were better than South Alabama, and so even though you made a couple mistakes here and there, it was pretty clear throughout the game that South Alabama was never really going to be able. Um, you know, to put together a, a lengthy drive. In fact, South Alabama, uh, and I don't know the exact number of possessions, but hear this, their longest possession of the game, five plays. Five Sounds plays. That's about right. Yeah. When you only have four first downs the entire night. Right, and they never possess the ball longer than two minutes and 24 seconds. I mean, that's remarkable. So the, the defense did its job. Let's jump to the offense now, Mike. A lot to be desired on that side of the ball. I want to start with Shy Wirtz because that's kind of where things start and end uh, with Georgia Southern. And then we'll jump into Kennedy and then maybe the running back situation. Uh, first off, I, you know, Wirtz's 17 attempts on Thursday was a little bit disconcerting. I get 
kind of the sentiment of it, and I do understand a lot of the the play calling in the game because a lot of the times Georgia Southern needed to pass the ball. Um, but Wirtz was almost picked off several times. He wasn't, so the streak continues. Bless up for that. But, you know, Wirtz was not great through the air, but, boy, when, when Georgia Southern needed them and when, when they needed Wirtz more than ever in that final quarter, he showed up big just like he did last season. Um, you know, I think of games like the Georgia State game where he kind of just put the thing away, um, him and Fields. So, I, you know, I really like the way Wirtz is playing, and I'm prepared to say that, Entering this Coastal Carolina game on the 19th, the Wirtz is just about fully back, and all the rust that we've seen should be shaken off by that point. But Mike, generally, did you see anything from Wirtz that that you thought deserved to be talked about? I mean, what what did you see from Wirtz on Thursday? Uh, you know, outside of the running game, but more specifically, I, th- I think the passing game. Uh, he spread the ball out pretty well. It was nine of 17 passing, but you know, again, it just didn't look ultra smooth what would you think of words yeah i'll give them one big negative and one big positive and uh, the negative I, I think the passing game has to be better this is his third year now as a starter you know as you mentioned the rust it's got to be shaken off sure you missed a couple games but you had started for two full seasons before that so you know what the deal is nothing surprising about the speed of the game and all that so i really think he needs to be a little bit better and maybe you know i don't live inside of shy words head but maybe and we talked about this during the preseason, it might be better off if he just finally throws an interception. It almost seemed like a couple of those throws, you know, you you mentioned there were a couple that probably should have been interceptions. There were a couple more that were makeable throws that seemed like they were a little bit too tentative. I don't personally think that that interception record is going through his head as he's, you know, under center and cocking back to throw. But I also know Shy, and he's a competitive guy, and he takes pride in the fact that, you know, he was able to set that mark last year and that he still hasn't thrown one. So, you know, it's like I said during the preseason, it might be better off for this team if he just throw throws one, A, because he gets all the chatter off of it, and B, because it tells me that they're comfortable with taking shots downfield. That's when interceptions happen. It's also when big plays happen, and if Georgia Southern makes even one or two big plays in that game to counter the ones that South Alabama made, then you combine all the rest of those stats up and it's a runaway game, just like the stat sheet would tell you it should be. Now on the plus side, I'll just go ahead and say that, you know, we had the conversation about Tomlin and how well he did coming in when Shywerts was hurt and whether or not there should be a quarterback controversy for whatever throws he made that you can debate about whether they were the best throws or whether he could have done better you saw exactly what Shywert is and what they thought he was going to be and what he proved himself to be last year and is again this year in that final drive. He's an athlete. He's a gamer. He's the captain of the team. He's the guy that everybody's looking to. And when they needed him, he made all the plays, had all the right reads, did everything right on time, did everything exactly how they needed him to, to get them a win when it looked like things were getting a little bit scary there at the end. Yeah, it certainly did. There were plenty of scary moments in the game for Georgia Southern. Uh, you know, another, I think, offensive kind of bullet point I want to touch on, Mike, was the return of Wes Kennedy um, back to the lineup. I guess for, for you, and and I'll follow you with my thoughts on Kennedy, but I'll let you start. Did you think Kennedy was used, uh, A, enough, B, like we thought he was going to be, 
um, and see kind of in the right role. I, I really liked how Bob the Best worked Wes Kennedy back into the fold. Um, I, I do wish he was targeted a little bit more in the passing game and not so much used, uh, you know, in the straight handoff game. But, uh, you know, as we touched on, Logan Wright's injury kind of played a role in that, I would assume. Uh, Wright ended up only with seven attempts for 46 yards. I think many of those um, in the first half, if not all of them. Um, Matty LaRoche, eight rushes for a total of 36 yards. Uh, th- you know, that's not great. Kennedy matched LaRoche in terms of carries, eight rushes for 52 yards, and of course that uh, really big score. And then J.D. King, 22 rushes for 72 yards. That is a 3.3-yard average. I guess generally, Mike, did you like how Kennedy was used in the game and you know if not just Kennedy kind of how the ball was distributed 83 plays that's a rarity for Georgia Southern and so when you have that many plays you kind of get an expanded look as to how DeBess and Lunsford and, and kind of the entire offense view each of these players and clearly from the stat sheet it's King and everybody else in terms of this backfield right now but um, I guess generally Mike what'd you think of the way Kennedy was used and the way that that the ball was distributed throughout the offense. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that you're right. That when Wright went out, that it threw kind of a monkey wrench into the game plan. I think that earlier in the game, Kennedy was used kind of how I thought he would be, just move him all over the field because he's someone that you've got to keep one, if not two, sets of eyes on. But when you have Wright go out, then he turns into more of what he was last year, where he lines up and takes straight handoffs. He's not quite as dynamic, but. I also think that, you know, per your column that came out um, in the news today, you know, you were clamoring for Georgia Southern to decide on, you know, just two or three guys and move forward with that. So I'll go ahead and put all this bad news for Wright and the extent of his injury on you uh, that now they're down to, to just three guys. But that's what they're going <laughs> to have to use. I'll take that. But, but, but maybe pigeonholing guys into roles could work out because you're right. Now you're left with, you know, a, a workhorse back being out of the lineup for at least a month, if not more. But you end up with one more workhorse back in uh, J.D. King who can run it inside with the best of them. You'll have LaRoche, who's more of a runner than anything else, but he can get outside and has speed. And then you've got Kennedy who can kind of do a little bit of everything. So, you know, maybe having three guys that are kind of specific in what they do but at the same time, you can have all three of them out there and not know who they're going to. You know, that makes it tough on defenses, especially with Wirtz showing that, you know, he's up for the challenge and being able to do anything and everything they ask of him. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see where that, uh, you, you mentioned, you know, where the, the majority of the touches went to uh, in the South Alabama game. That's dealing with a mid-game injury. It'll be uh, interesting to see, especially with an extra week to prepare, how that uh, balance shifts now that they know that they're working with words and just three backs instead of four. Yeah, and I mean, to to that point, to, Mike was talking about my column that came out. It's on savannahnow.com uh, right now, so check it out if you haven't. Basically, my point was that last season, I thought Georgia Southern thrived because you, you knew kind of who was who. You knew that it was going to be Wirtz, Fields, and really everybody else. Mateo Garrett kind of had his role, and we knew what it was. And this year coming in, especially once J.D. King was declared eligible, it became kind of tough to to define who was who and who was Georgia Southern's bell cow back. 
I don't think every season and I don't think every team needs to have a go-to back or, or kind of these roles within the backfield. But I think for Georgia Southern, especially this season, um, and especially how they started, it is very important that they kind of define who is who in this backfield because there is plenty of talent there, but it does seem like none of these guys are able to kind of get in a rhythm and, and get in a groove. And all the hype surrounding J.D. King, uh, Mike, how I mean, how impressed have you been with J.D. King, if at all? The, the yards per carry aren't really there. I don't know that it's his fault. You know, he's rushing behind a, a less than stellar offensive line. That's a, that's a nice way of putting it. Uh, but he is not, you know, not having those explosive type plays and not kind of moving the chains with the consistency that I thought he was going to have. You know, for you, does King deserve 22, you know, that kind of percentage of the carries that kind of over 50% of the carries going to JD King I, I don't I don't know but now that Logan Wright's out it kind of forces your hand a little bit I mean you're gonna have to use Kennedy more now in the backfield you're gonna have to use LaRoche more uh, now and a lot of the onus is gonna now fall on Shywords to kind of make those decisions and keep the ball himself more often than not um, out of those option plays but Mike, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Has J.D. King been that great so far? I don't think he has been. Well, I think the uh, stats aren't quite where you want him to be. But, you know, at practice, he's definitely shown it in the preseason and spring. Uh, he, he showed what he's capable of running against uh, what I think we both would agree is a really good rush defense for Georgia Southern. Oh, yeah, he's got I, I the really, talent. He's got the Brett, talent. I, re- I really think that the answer lies in what we've already covered here tonight is you know, go a little bit faster. You know, he, he's only averaging the three-some uh, yards per carry and minimal carries, but that's because before this uh, this past game, Georgia Southern's running 60 plays instead of 80. When you spread it around a little more, when you give everybody a little bit of love, you know, not only does it give them more opportunities, it also gives the defense a lot more to think about. And I really just think that with three players that they're going to have, or four if you want to count shy words, as dynamic as they are and with as many different, you know, skill sets as they have, you know, if you want to put it into Madden terms, there's a bunch of guys who have some sliders way up towards the uh, 90, 95 region when it comes to agility, when it comes to vision, when it comes to power, when it comes to speed, not all of them have all of those things, but all of them have at least one. So you put all those guys in the backfield and start running a play every 20 seconds. I really think it's going to be tough for anyone to handle and it's going to let all of them thrive. Yeah, I I agree with you, Mike. All right, Georgia Southern fans, we have a new offer for you guys at savannahnow.com. We want you guys to check it out. It's a newsletter focused on Georgia Southern athletics and Georgia Southern athletics only. This is a free opportunity for you guys to get caught up on all the latest news on the Eagles, whether it be on the football field, basketball court, baseball field, or what have you. But go join the mailing list for the newsletter. And this is how you do it. Go to savannahnow.com and look on the right side of the homepage. Click get our newsletters and go from there. The newsletter will have a blog post once a week, as well as other relevant Georgia Southern stories, opportunities to subscribe to the podcast, and other insider notes that you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe today. Touching one more thing on the defense, I, I had this in my notes kind of before the show, I thought Georgia Southern did an excellent job of containing South Alabama's Trey Mentor. This is a guy that's worthy of kind of the praise that he gets 
for uh, and I think it's safe to say, Mike, you'd agree, South Alabama, uh, below average football team, yes. Uh, yeah, they're not the best. Yeah, they're not great, you, you know, but Trey Minter is worthy of it. I mean, he this is a really good football player. Georgia Southern held him on 17 attempts to just 45 yards rushing. 20 of those came on one play. So that's a 2.6-yard average. That'll do just fine. Uh, you, you know, you, you threw more passes than South Alabama. That's pretty remarkable. Uh, besides the two touchdown passes from South Alabama, they were 6 of 13 passing besides those two touchdown passes and, and threw for less than 100 yards when you take out those two long bombs. So again, kudos, I think, to the Georgia Southern defense. Um, Mike, one thing from the offensive line, we know Jacob Cooper was out this game. Uh, I guess I'll just keep it simple and then we'll kind of go a little bit more in depth uh, into this. Peyton Backer, who we saw last year during the Eastern Michigan game, was kind of used in a hybrid role uh, behind tight end Alice Richardson a lot, uh, used as kind of the, uh, kind of almost an H-back, really, uh, but really as a lead blocker in that Eastern Michigan game. But he was the center on Thursday in Mobile, and I thought he did really well. You know, I don't know, I'm not going to sit here and analyze his uh, blocking technique and his blocking on each play, because frankly, uh, you know, I don't think anyone outside of the program has kind of the wherewithal to analyze option offensive line blocking. And nor does anyone really care that much as long as you're getting the job done. But the snaps, the snaps were at least good enough where we didn't notice them. And that's all we can ask for. I guess simply put, Mike, what do you think about this? When Jacob Cooper returns, do you leave Peyton Backer at center since he was serviceable? And do you use Jacob Cooper at your next uh, most needed spot? I mean, I think that's an idea that Georgia Southern should at least consider. Um, You take Jacob Cooper, who's very versatile, kind of very dependable, you know what you're going to get from him, and you rotate him into the place that you think you need help the most. I would think that's alongside the center position at the left or right guard. But, you know, I don't think putting Backer back on the bench and putting Cooper back at center would be the most sufficient way of doing this. What do you think of that idea of slotting Cooper somewhere else and leaving Backer at center? See, I'm going to disagree with you, and I totally see your logic. I totally see your logic in it, but I think what it comes down to is the one thing that everybody was most concerned about were bad snaps. And Peyton Backer was able to provide the one thing they needed the most, which was a good snap. You can get around a less than stellar block from the center so long as that ball is getting back to where it's on time. They can run the play and adjust to any sort of uh, breakdown in offensive line blocking. And to that, I'd say that, you know, Jacob Cooper, he's just a little bit better blocking than Peyton Backer is going to be from the center position. And I also think that you've seen, uh, at least in the inside zone game, which is what uh, offensive coordinator Bob DeBest has said over and over that they base their offense off of, the blocking for those plays has gotten better over the last, I'll call it six quarters. They were moving it well in the Louisiana game. They might have done even better if they weren't having to try to play from behind. They definitely ran it well inside against South Alabama. Um, So I think that you're faced with, yeah, Peyton Backer's proven himself to be capable, but I think you have to lump him in with Justin Tomlin as, you know, a guy that at least you're confident that you've got one more guy to come in if you need it. However, I think that once Jacob Cooper's back, he's going to be a better overall center than Peyton Backer. And I don't know that strictly just for blocking, Peyton Backer would be better than 
any of the other guys on the line. Backer's best quality on Thursday was that he was the guy who was most able to get that ball back to Wirtz without having to worry about it. Yeah, I hear that. I mean, you know, at least it's something to think about it. And, you know, I guess at the very least, uh, you at least now have someone in Peyton Backer where if the center position is available up for grabs, uh, whether it be injury or performance in front of them, at least, you you know, you ha- similar to Tomlin, I guess, you, you have something there. And my opinion is that, you know, and this is just my opinion, but, you know, uh, when Cooper first went down, they switched to Aaron Dowdell, who has been, I right. think, a very good left guard for Georgia Southern. I do and too. I think they did a little cost-benefit analysis, and when Dowdell was not getting all of his snaps perfectly, they said if we can get anyone who can at least snap it as well or better than he does, then they're a lot better off moving him back to his natural position, letting him block like he can block, and then just have one guy worry about getting that ball back to the quarterback. I think that's what you saw on Thursday. So that's where I kind of land on my opinion of Baker did a, Baker did a good job. He did exactly what they needed him to do. Any sort of blocking he provided was, you know, just icing on the cake. And when Cooper comes back, you know, he's proven that overall in blocking and snapping, he's going to be better. So, you know, Backer, thanks for giving us a good 60 minutes of snaps. We know that we can count on you if it happens again. But, you know, that's where you're going to stay is second string. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I, one more thing, from, and you just reminded me of this, actually. I did want to touch on, I was critical of uh, Daryl Baker a few weeks back after the Minnesota game. And I think, you know, he was probably critical of himself for the way he played in that game. I thought he played really, really well against South Alabama. I had a, had a really huge tackle on third down. Uh, I believe it was on Trey Minter to give Georgia Southern, uh, to force South Alabama into punting and give Georgia Southern a chance to get that final drive started in the fourth quarter. That was a huge play by him, and I thought he played better, uh, showed up a couple of times um, right around the ball. So kudos to 3-1 uh, for the way he played in that game. Uh, Mike, do you, you got anything else from South Alabama? No, I would, uh, I, I would just lump in praise for most of the defensive secondary um, you know, it's really easy. The the cliche is that they have to have short memory spans because the two biggest plays of the night for South Alabama, you saw it, it was a bunch of guys cheating up for Georgia Southern and receivers running right by them for big plays that almost cost them the game. However, for the vast majority of the rest of the game, every time South Alabama looked to pass, there was a reason why the ball never came out. You know, sure, there was some good rush by the uh, defensive front, but it was great coverage. And then, you know, you already mentioned a couple times, Trey Minner, as good as he is, he had nowhere to run. And that's not just because of the first three or four guys on the front that you face. That's because uh, the cornerbacks and safeties were doing a great job in run support. Yeah, the defense kind of became what we were hoping it was going to be, right, in the offseason. And that was have stellar coverage at the back and have, uh, you know, really, really quality coverage uh, on your back end and allow guys like Raymond Johnson to get pressure on on their own. Um, and that is kind of, for the first time, I think, really all season, we saw that for multiple, multiple possessions uh, where Georgia Southern was able to play its base, not send pressure, but allow the defensive line to create its own pressure because of the time uh, it would take a South Alabama receiver to get open. Obviously, the two big plays they hit, they stayed in max protect, so that kind of shakes that off, and, and you would hope that six Georgia Southern defenders could contain two 
South Alabama receivers. But like we say, you can't have it both ways. If you're going to be committed to stopping the run, and I think Georgia Southern was. Uh, I mean, clearly they were. They, they allowed South Alabama to rush for less than 100 yards. You're going to have to give up something on the back end. Is that fair? Yeah, that defense, uh, the defense performance was exactly what I thought the blueprint should be going into this season. Uh, you know, I, I believe I remember saying, you know, before the season started, Georgia Southern's goal should just be to, you know, lean on that defense. I think that they're a really solid group. Find a way to get up by a score, maybe two. And once you do that, when you get into the late third quarter, uh, fourth quarter, forces seems to be one-dimensional, take to the air. And that's where you can really lean on uh, Brinson and Vildor and, you know, a couple of experienced safeties. And that's kind of what Georgia Southern did. They just forgot to do the whole part where they get up by a couple scores at the end. Yeah, which is a really kind of crucial part of it. Very crucial part. If you don't end with more points than the other team, you almost always lose. Right. And so, you know, let's kind of leave um, let's leave South Alabama right there, Mike, if, if you're good with that. All right, let's end it right there. Uh, so for this week's Heisman uh, draft, I, I got Tua, uh, Jalen Hurts, and Jonathan Taylor, Mike with Burrow, Fields, and ETN. Um, so we'll touch base on that probably later in the season. Mike, you want to let everyone know how they can follow you and read your stuff? Yeah, you can read me in the, the Statesboro Herald. Uh, you can read me online at statesboroherald.com. Uh, we got videos coming out throughout the week. And then on game days, you can catch me on Twitter at, at HeraldGSSports. All right, and for us, I think most of you guys already know how to follow and criticize me on Twitter. It's at Jadon Sports, S-M-N, uh, J-A-U-D-O-N, Sports, S-M-N. You can email me, tjadon, at savannahnow.com. Find all of our Georgia Southern coverage at Georgia Southern or at savannahnow.com slash sports. Um, and then at savannahnow.com, our homepage, you can sign up for the free Georgia Southern newsletter, which comes out um, every Tuesday night. Um, and for that, you'll have all of your Georgia Southern coverage that you need for the week, kind of all the injury updates, and it's all free, which I know you guys are big fans of. Also, make sure you rate and subscribe this podcast. Only rate it if you're going to go five stars. Only rate it if you're going to go five stars. Uh, share it with your friends and tell them that it's the best thing about your week every week. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back next week to preview Coastal Carolina um, and get you guys caught up on everything Georgia Southern. Thanks for listening. Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. Pass swings. A 